and uh, we're going to let the Lord have his way. But this morning, if you have your Bibles for a few moments, I want to take you to the Word of God, and I'm going to a very familiar portion of Scripture that some of you probably will turn me off before you ever give me a chance to say much. Because you probably have heard or you think you have everything that needs to be said about it. And maybe so. I don't really have anything new. But I do want to take you to the book of Matthew chapter 26. I'm going to begin reading with verse number 6. And as you're getting that, let me join with Brother Landon and ask anybody that can help us Tuesday, or at least men-wise, um, we have been asked to host two precincts, uh, and so uh, it's going to be twice the headache that it normally is, and so we're going to need all the help we can get. We're going to probably have to contact the police to help give access back out on 528. So please be here and help us if you can. Let Brother Long know. We'll be very thankful and pray. Amen. Pray, pray, pray. Matthew chapter 26. Now when Jesus was in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, there came unto him a woman having an alabaster box of very precious ointment and poured it on his head as he sat at meat. But when his disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying, To what purpose is this waste for this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor when Jesus understood it he said unto them why trouble ye the woman for she hath wrought a good work upon me one translation says she has done a lovely thing amen she has done a lovely thing. For you have the poor always with you, but me you have not always. For in that she hath poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this that this woman hath done be told for a memorial of her. Amen. This is one of those passages of Scripture that when I come to it, I always feel like I'm missing something. When I was a kid, we used to go out in the country and we had some ponds that we would jump into and swim. And it was always a little nerve-wracking, the first jump trying to determine how deep the water was. But invariably we would jump far enough out or come down hard enough that we would go to the bottom and then kick off and come back up. I'll never forget, <clears throat> as I grew up, we made a trip one time and we were given the opportunity to go swim in a spring. I had never swam in a spring before. No one knew the depth of it. And while I stood there on the bank of that spring trying to determine whether I was going to jump off, I 
I had this overwhelming sense that this was a lot bigger than I was. And I'll never forget when I jumped in, I thought I went down as far as anybody could go down, but it wasn't far enough. There was no bottom. That's the way I feel when I come to this passage of Scripture. It doesn't matter how many times you come to its edge. When you jump into it, there's just no bottom to it. It's such a powerful story. I want to talk to you for a a little while this morning about the conflict between worth and value. The conflict between worth and value. And everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. The scene, as you are aware, is in Bethany. The time of the end of his earthly ministry is very near. The next few hours are going to be hours where so much is going to take place that it's hard for the mind to gather in all of the events. A few more days and Jesus' ministry in this fleshly body on this earth would be over. And then uh, there would be another horizon that would dawn upon the church. He and his disciples were seated at their evening meal, as was the custom, and as he had set aside for the purpose of doing evening meal when this event took place. When in in the midst of conversation and all of the uh, hubbub that might have gone on in that room where they were assembled, a woman quietly slips in unobserved, obviously at first, and she did this strange deed that lives forever. She brought with her an alabaster box. Her name was Mary. She was the sister of Martha and Lazarus. Many believe that she was the same woman that Luke referred to as a a grievous sinner. We really don't know the total background of Mary's life and we... We'll never know until eternity what all had happened before Jesus came into her life. But what created a stir that evening was what she did. She brought with her that alabaster box which was filled with a precious perfume or ointment and she broke it. and poured out over his head and obviously down on his garments the content of that box of perfume. The fragrance filled the room. The motive of her doing that is lost somewhere in the relationship that she had found in Jesus. The act is lost to all but Jesus and Mary. What could provoke such extravagance and how much uh, was uh, such an effort worth 
was all in the minds of those who were sitting around. But how much did she owe to Jesus? Only she and Jesus really knew the answer to that question. Perhaps we will never know the true depth of what what he meant to her. and We do not know what new peace came into her life when he came to her life. We don't know what happened that brought her to where she was, but we know what she did. She brought a very precious gift and offered it to him in this timely fashion. We don't know the sorrow and the brokenness that filled the home of her and her sister at the loss of their brother. And then this Jesus that she is now ministering to came and brought him back from the grave and gave him back to them so that their hearts were no longer broken. She loved him so much. She could not help but do what she was doing The best, it seemed, in her mind was not good enough for him who had given her so much, a new heart, a new home, a new life, and so many other things. But there are some deeds that are so fine and they are so lovely that only Jesus could understand them. There are things that have happened in this service this morning that Just the casual observer looking around could not understand the depth of meaning. You could not even begin to understand what that sacrifice means because only that person and Jesus knows where it came from, where it was birthed, what produced it. And so there are things in all of life that are so wonderful that Only the doer in Jesus will ever understand. There are some gifts that are too lovely for the human mind to grasp. And there are some actions that are so inspired that even the saintliest disciple, leaning on his bosom, could not understand what she was doing. That's why they said what they said. That's why I am very careful about ever criticizing somebody's worship. Amen. I'm very careful about ever criticizing how somebody responds to the presence of God. Because I don't know what they know. I don't know what's gone on between them and the Lord that has brought them to where they are. I don't know the thing that he has saved them from. And so I, am, I want to be very careful to not ever despise someone else's offering or someone else's sacrifice or someone else's worship because only they know what God has done for them. Amen. Only they know the peace that they have right now that they didn't have until he came. Only they know that clean feeling that they possess when they step into the presence of God that they enjoy now, that they didn't enjoy before they came in contact with Him. Only they know the mind that is calmed and the mind that is at peace because of something that He did in their life. That's why you should never condemn or ridicule or mock anyone's worship. I know sometimes in our levity we can... We can mimic people, but I don't ever want to mock someone in their worship. 
because you never know. You never know. The sad tragedy was that in that room where she was at right that moment, no one in that room seemed to understand this shocking extravagance of this impulsive woman but her and Jesus. They were indignant, the Bible says. They wanted to know to what purpose was this waste. Here's the squandering of one year's labor for the common working man. The cost of that ointment was one year's salary. Now, I want you to imagine this morning that we were in a service like this, and someone in the middle of service brought something that would be the equivalent of one year of their labor, and they offered it to God. They put it on the altar to give to Him. You and I would look at that and we would think, what in the world are they doing? Have they lost their mind? Have they lost good sense? Where Here is the squandering of wages that could have been used to greater purpose than just pouring it on his head and breaking the box and letting it all be gone. It might have been sold and given to the poor. But these disciples missed one thing. She was not doing it for her. She was doing it for him. Amen. The disciples struggled with the same problem that you and I struggle with today. And that is the struggle between worth and value. They saw the worth of it. They could calculate in their minds to the dollar and the penny They were conscious of the cost of that ointment. They knew how expensive it was. And so when they looked at that picture, when they looked at that setting, all they could look through were the eyes of worth, of what the cost was, and and the extravagance of something of that nature and They looked at everything through that kind of lens. They wanted to know how much it would take to provide for the the multitude. The worth, the cost of what had been done was 300 denarii. It was $300 in in our modern vernacular, but that was the equivalent of a man's wages for a year. But what they could not see was the value, the value of what she had done. You see, that's what we're all struggling with today in some way is the difference between worth and value. Is it worth it? And then is there any value to it? I had to take time to look up, make sure I was not mistaken, but by definition, the word worth means something of this nature. It is used to denote how much something will cost or how much an item will sell for in any environment. However, value is a different term. We often mix them, but they have different meanings. The word value is a much broader term that encompasses more than just cost. It encompasses the emotion of a person as well as the cost. This is one of my old life jackets from a boat that never gets used anymore. 
<clears throat> I had one of the men try to help me get it running, but it's not running still. But anyway, if you were to go to a good garage sale today, you probably could pick one of these up for probably 2 or $3. Now, when I bought it, I think I probably paid about 35 or $40 new. Some of them cost 200 <clears throat> That's the cost. $2 at a garage sale. Would anybody give me $2 for this? Right now, you probably don't see any need for it. But Brother Casey, let's get on your boat. And let's take a trip out into the ocean. And let's talk about the worth and the value of it then. Let's say that we're out there and the wind's blowing and we're enjoying a great time and all of a sudden the motor conks out. You can't get it started. And the waves and the pitching and the bucking. How much would you think this would be worth under such circumstance? Now, I'm not talking about Brother Casey's boat in particular, but most boats are not cheap. And his boat, I'm sure it wasn't either, but that's just a minor part of it. The other part is the fishing tackle. It takes a year's wages sometimes for a fisherman to take care of his fishing problems. A rod and a reel, a good rod and reel, buckle your seat belt, cost you about $350 to $400, a good saltwater reel and rod. The lures that they use, some of them are 15 and $17 a piece. And you could throw it out and break it off and lose it just like that. And they've got a box full of them. But when that motor conks out and that, that wave kicks over the side and slaps you really hard in the face, all of a sudden that $400 fishing reel doesn't mean near as much as this $2 life does. You see, the disciples understood the worth of what she did, but they could not grasp the value of what she was doing. And that's what gets a lot of people in trouble in trying to live for God, is because we're all cost conscious. What's this going to cost me? How much do I have to give up? I mean, living for God's kind of restrictive. You know, you can't do this and you can't do that. And so we become like those men that looked at this woman's act and all they could see was $300 ringing, $300 going down the drain, $300 being wasted in a moment of carelessness when the reality was they did not understand the value of what that represented to her. How can you put a price tag on forgiveness? How can you put a price tag on restoration or redemption? Or how can you put a price tag on being given something back that was lost forever? How can you ever, how can you ever, you see value is really what he was, what they were missing, what they couldn't understand. They knew the, the numerical worth of something. They understood the price at the market, the going price of something. 
but they could not understand the value of what she was doing. And so it is with many people. They come and they see all of the noise that was going on this morning and they, they don't see any worth in that. They, 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 it costs too much. I mean, it takes energy to worship God. It takes stamina to keep standing. I mean, my back sometimes gets to hurting because we stand so long worshiping. But it's not about me. It's not about even my own feelings. When I come into this house, it's about Him then. It's not about what I feel or I don't feel. What I'm here to do is let Him know what He means to me. The value of what He's done in my life. What forgiveness means to me. What being restored means to me. Amen. This is where many people get messed up trying to live for God. is because they're so conscious of cost. They know what they've done. I know some people this morning. There are people that are not in church this morning that are eat up with bitterness because they feel like they've done so much for God and nobody... Nobody seemed to notice. Amen. They're eat up with the idea that I gave so much, but nothing was given in return. And the truth of the matter is, that's not really what my focus should be. Amen. There's cost in everything. And I'm not preaching about negligence or being unmindful of the cost of things, but I am telling you that there's something more important than the cost. It is the value of what it represents. And as a result of a mindset when we are only focused on the cost, we often miss many things that are important. We miss things like forgiveness. We miss stuff like restoration. We miss stuff like reconciliation. When, when all that we're thinking about is what's the worth of that? What, what, what's, what, what's that going to cost me to go to that person and ask them to forgive me? I don't know what it will cost you. Maybe a little pride, but I have this much to tell you that if you ever get enough gumption to get up and go do it, the value of what it will bring to your life will far outweigh the cost that you paid to go do that. Amen. Peace, happiness, joy. Because we are only worried about the cost of something. We miss those things. Because we are only wondering about what it's going to be in it for me. If we could ever get beyond the cost factor. Amen. If we could ever get beyond that mindset of, of worth. What's it worth, Brother Hughes? What, what's it worth to you for me to do that? Well, I, I don't want to put a dollar amount on it. But I will tell you that if, if you would just get up and do it the value of what will come back in return will far, far outweigh whatever your expenditure was. Can you tell me this morning that what she had gotten from the Lord was not equivalent to and beyond what she had given? You know as well as I do, you can't put a dollar amount when somebody forgives you or somebody says to you, you know what, I, 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 I don't want to feel this way any longer. Would you please forgive me? I want to be right with God. There's something that comes into a person's life when that kind of thing happens that you cannot put a dollar amount on. 
And when we become conscious of that, we forget about what it's going to cost us. If we could ever get beyond what will this cost me and see the value of it, our lives would be changed forever. What is the value of a sacrifice? What's the value of a sacrifice? A lamb could be offered. I don't know what the cost of a lamb was back then. I am certain. I am certain that whatever the cost was, when that man brought that lamb to the priest and offered it to the priest to then turn and take it and offer it to the Lord as a redemption for his sin. I don't think he worried about what he had to pay to get that lamb to the temple or the tabernacle because there was something that came back. And so it was in this setting They didn't understand what she was doing because they had a mindset that was stuck on worth and cost and that carnal thinking. And because of that, they were unable to see the ministry of what she was doing that was beyond her day. Can you understand me this morning? I don't even know how to put this in words, but can you understand me that it is possible for you to do something this morning that would set in motion events that would last forever? Jesus said of this woman what she has done because of what she has done. It will never be forgotten. And as far as the gospel goes, that's how far her story is going to go. It's never going to die. It's never going to perish. Wherever the gospel is preached, this will also be told. Could you understand this morning that today you could set in motion something that would never die? Something like forgiveness. Something like restoration. What is the value of worship? I know some people consider it a waste until they do it. Yeah, until they do it. Amen. I've never seen anybody that really gave themselves to worship that didn't come out feeling better than they did going in. Never, 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 never. I've never seen anybody really enter into a spirit of worship that when they got through, they felt higher, cleaner, purer. They they felt more right with God than they had ever felt before. I don't know anybody that when they got through said, Oh, I wish I hadn't done that. The reason some people don't rejoice is because it costs too much. But oh, the value of, of what that would release in their life if they'd just get loose every once in a while. Just, 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 just get out of themselves. You know, that's the problem with so much worship. It's not really about him. It's about us. It's about how the music makes us feel. It's about how the singers make us feel. It's about how the service makes us feel. And the reality is this is not about my feeling. This is about him, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who is and was and is to come. Oh, yes. Come on, somebody. Clap your hands and praise him. Hallelujah, hallelujah. 
What's the value of prayer? What's the value of prayer? Some of you don't pray. And it's not because you don't know how to pray, but you don't pray because you don't feel like prayer does anything. Unless you're in a crisis and then you pray. Everybody prays when they're in a crisis. Even atheists pray in the foxhole. Amen. Yeah, everybody prays when the pressure's on. But just to do that as a daily thing, to do it as, a, as, as, a, as, a, as a, an act of faith unto God, some of us don't see the value of it we, because it costs, it costs time. I've got to get up a little earlier than I... I've got to stay a little longer. I've got to, I've got to forget this. I've got to, I've got to leave that out. I, I don't get to get an extra Starbucks. I... I'm just messing around this morning. I don't know. I, maybe I should have preached this next door. The conflict between worth and value. What is the worth of prayer? Well, it's going to take a little energy. It's going to take a little effort. You're going to have to think a little bit. You're going to have to learn how to use your words. Amen. Use your words. Talk to God. Tell Him what's going on. Talk to Him about his goodness and His mercy, and then talk to Him about your problem. It's going to cost you a little bit. But if you'll just put that out there, the, the value of what comes back to you far outweighs whatever it is that you brought to Him. Because when you pray, you release things in the Spirit that nothing else can release. You do things in the Spirit that nothing else can do. Amen. Amen. If you'll ever commit yourself to a life of prayer, what a difference it'll make in your life. What's the value of forgiveness? Of just letting go of something? Anybody ever held a grudge? I shouldn't have asked that. Some of you look like you're about to pass out right now. Anybody ever had something get down in your gizzard and you just just couldn't get away from it? It's nasty. It's dirty. Every time you try to think something good, it would crop up in your mind and you'd start thinking bad stuff. Thinking, man, boy, if I ever get my chance, I'm going to come, come, come. And then one day you decide, you know what, that's not worth living with. It's not worth dragging that stuff around. When you get in a storm, there's a lot of stuff in a storm that doesn't mean anything. But there are some things that all of a sudden take on an intrinsic value that you realize without that I can't make it. When Paul was on the ship going to Rome and it broke up in the sea, there was a board that floated by somebody and they thought, you know what, that's just a board. Oh, no, it's not just a board. That's your lifeline. You better reach out and grab. It may not look like much, but it's enough to get you through. The Bible said none of them were lost that were on that boat. And some of them had to make it in swimming. Some of them had to make it in just hanging on to a piece of the boat. But one day you decide, I'm not carrying that garbage any longer. 
And so you decide to do what the Bible says, that if you come to the altar and you have something or you there's an offense between you and a brother, before you offer your sacrifice, you go to that person and you make it right. Then come offer your sacrifice. And you took that word literally and you did that. And you went to them and you said, I know this is no fault of yours. And you probably don't even know you hurt my feelings. But a long time ago this happened and I just want you to know I am sorry that I have felt this way. I'm telling you as I stand before you right now, anybody that has the guts to do that, when they let those words out of their mouth, something else is going to be loose from off of their body, off of their mind and out of their spirit. There's going to be something that's going to come out of you and there's going to be a freedom and a liberty. You're going to be able to walk into the house of God. You're going to be able to lift your hands without wrath or doubting. You're going to be able to praise Him and worship Him with a clear conscience. Amen, amen. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord. Amen, 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 amen. Praise God. I'm, I'm almost through. You know, go ahead and stand. That's all right. I'm, I'll, I need to shut up. What's the value of repentance? Of making things right with God? We drag sin around with us for a long time. Stuff that doesn't need to be there, we could have gotten rid of under the blood a long time ago. But because we have a little bit of pride, we just don't want to have to admit that we did something we shouldn't have done. And so we drag that sin with us. It Life gets heavy sometimes because of all the stuff we're carrying. All the luggage that we've got with us. But I can tell you from the depth of my heart and my own personal experience, there is no price that I could put on the feeling, the cleansing that I have felt when I have knelt before God and I have said, Oh God, forgive me. I have failed you. I have done wrong. I have acted wrong. I have spoken wrong. I have thought things. I've done things that I shouldn't do. Something happens. Something of intrinsic value. Something beyond our comprehension happens. There's a lifting of a load. I wonder what would happen this morning if somebody in this place would just make up their mind that they're going to be a worshiper or they're going to be a prayer warrior or they're going to live in forgiveness or they're going to repent of their sin. What would happen? What's it going to cost me? I don't know. I don't know. I don't Living for God, though, is not about cost, though. It's about value. Amen. And the fact is that when you bring your dirty rags to Him, He exchanges them for a robe of white. What a deal. When you bring your nasty, dirty, 
filthy, vile, vulgar attitude. And you lay it on an altar and you say, oh God, forgive me. He takes that and he puts it behind his back. And he gives you a new mind and a new attitude. Maybe that's what happened to Mary. I don't know. Maybe she was that grievous sinner that Luke referred to. Maybe her past was so horrible, but there's something that happened when she stepped into the presence of God. There was an exchange that took place. And so she moved from living by what it was going to cost her to what was going to be gained by whatever she could do for him. Amen. I don't think she did it just for what she would gain, but he is such a giver himself that you will never outgive him. That if you give to him, he said he would give back to you. Press down, shaken together, running over. God help us today I, I, I told you I didn't know if I could do this or not life is lived in this dimension there's a companionship with him that is beyond words there's a peace that passeth all understanding there's a love that fills your heart amen living for God is not about the cost It's about the value. And I'm here to tell you that it's the best value on the market right now. If you'll just get off of the cost and start looking beyond that, what it's going to do to you, you'll lose a lot of stuff. Let me name some of the things that you'll lose if you'll start living by values and not by the worth of things. You'll lose jealousy. You'll lose bitterness. You'll lose hatred. You'll lose revenge. You'll lose sleeplessness. You'll lose resentment. You'll lose worry. You'll lose doubt. You'll lose discouragement when you stop trying to figure out, now what, what's this going to cost me? And just give Him your all. What some people will never understand about living for God is that it's not about the cost. It's not about the cost. It's about what He does in your life and to your life that will forever, forever stand. Many things in life we look at and we don't see the worth of this until we get in a storm. And then we start wondering where it's at. Amen. There's a lot of things in our own personal life that we just don't feel like it's, it's, it's you know, you can live for God and not do that. You don't have to pray every day. You don't have to read your Bible. You don't have to, you don't have to uh, worship. You don't have to do a lot of those things. You, you know, just believe 
And that's all, just believe. Amen. But you get in a storm and you find out that you need more than just the dollar figures in your mind. You need something that's deeper than that. God, help us today to stop worrying about what it's going to cost us and give Him what He deserves. Give Him what He deserves.